Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to our midweek services here at Victory Life Church Online. Really excited that you decided to take a moment out of your midweek to join us here as we continue a series entitled Conscience. And today we're picking up at conscience number two. If you haven't already seen the first message on conscience, the introductory to what your conscience is and how it works and operates in your life, feel free to click on the link in the chat room on the banner right now, and uh, you'll be able to pick up on that message in your own time. Right now, it's time just to quickly have a, a prayer time, get our hearts and minds ready, and then we'll welcome you guys there and here in the room and uh, get stuck into the word right away. Let's pray together as we get ready to receive from God. Father, we just thank you so much that we can come together from wherever we are in the world. Father, we are excited whenever you step into uh, teaching us and shaping us. So Father, we just receive right now from whatever it is that you have for us, we are ready to be built up and led by you. And we pray this now in Jesus' precious name. And all of God's people around the world and in the room said amen and amen. Well, welcome if you're in the room or you're joining us online. Really excited about this next step as we take the message of conscience to the next level. Now, remember that last week we ascertained that it's okay to have voices going on in your head. Uh, Isaiah chapter 30 verse 21 says that, that there will be a voice just behind you that will guide you in the way whether you walk left or whether you walk right. So the Bible says there that there's a small inner voice that's going to guide you. You're going to hear a voice guiding you and leading you in life. Uh, the Bible goes on to define conscience as God's moral law written on the tablet of your heart. He made us in his image and he put everything we need on the inside of us to guide us and lead us to a life of prosperity and abundance. Not a life that is robbed, stolen and destroyed, but no, he gave us this ability, this conscience on the inside of us that will lead us to our destiny, that will guide us and lead us if we let it. You see, your conscience, as we spoke about last time, is your guide to doing the right thing at the right time. But we also had a look and saw that the word integrity is that. It's, it's about doing the right thing at the right time. So really, your conscience is the seat of your integrity. And so as we have a look at this conscience and this voice that's on the inside of me that's going to drive me towards goodness, that's going to drive me towards integrity, that's going to not sit in condemnation of me, not sit wagging a finger at me, no, but it's going to be my guide. It's going to be the voice piece of what God has already done on the inside of me. You see, your conscience gives voice to what your spirit man has to say. Your conscience is that which allows your spirit man all of the goodness that God has done on the inside of you and nothing can take away. Well, your conscience is the mouthpiece to that. It's how we guide the flesh towards the spirit man and not lean towards the flesh. Your conscience is this voice on the inside of you, and it's a very important part of your spiritual journey. It's a very important part of who you are and guiding towards a good and wholesome destiny. So surely then, if your conscience is such an important part of who we are and the makeup of your human psyche, surely we should be able to learn how to train it, what is influenced by it, how it is influenced, and how we can make sure that our conscience is always speaking loudly the word of God, guiding us, that small voice just behind us. 
I better learn how I can train my conscience. And so we're going to embark on a number of weeks now that will have a look at the influences of our conscience, culminating with how we can get our conscience influenced by God. We're going to have a look at some of the things that rob us of that voice of God in our lives. We're going to take a look at, at friends. We're going to take a look at our thought life. We're going to take a look at our habits. We're going to take a look at who we hang out with. All the things that shape and mold our conscience into either a loud voice for God or a loud voice for the world. Now, as we have a look at the first influencer today of our conscience, we, we're going to have a look at a little bit of a tricky one. And when I say friends, we're going to be having a look at our friends. You at home or in the room, don't think that this is for your teenage kids that, oh, I'm going to be looking at who they hang out with. No, we're taking a look at two elements of being a friend, being a friend and what friends we have. But we're going to be taking a look at not just friends, we're going to be taking a look at any association that can influence our conscience. You know, there's an old quote that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that's not just some quote you'll find on Google. That's a biblical concept because in Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, the Solomon, the wise guy says this, he that walks with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You see, when we associate, when we put ourselves and our conscience into a place, um, it acclimatizes to that place. It gets used to what is being used to. You see, if the norm and the standard is unwise, our conscience will follow suit. If the environment is wise, it will get used to wisdom. And so we need to be very careful where we place our conscience, in what environments we put our conscience. That biblical verse is backed up in 1 Corinthians 15.33 that says, Don't be fooled who say these things. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Now, if your conscience is your guide to having integrity and a good character, and we want to protect our conscience, we can't put our conscience in the space of bad company because it will corrupt our guide, therefore corrupt our character. Company isn't just the friends we hang out with. They're not just the, 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 the guys and the girls that we hung out with at high school and peer pressure. I'm not talking about that kind of thing. I'm talking about who do you expose your life to and who is exposing their life to you? Because whoever that is and whatever influences you have in your life, that is going to either build your character, as we'll see just now, or corrupt your character. It's, it's about any group that you expose yourself to. Who are you exposing yourself to on Facebook? Who are you opening yourself up to amongst your friends? And your, who, who you, what do you do when your friends come over? Do, do you sit around and gossip? Do you sit around and slander? Do you, do you expose yourself to some kind of ideologies that go against what God has placed on the inside of you and then wonder why there's a conflict? Do, are, you, are you reading material that tends to drift away from what God teaches and, and lead your conscience towards questioning what God has placed on the inside of you? You see, it's not just about those people that we hang out with, our teenage friends. No, it's about what you expose your conscience to and who you expose your conscience to. Thousands and millions of people around the globe today expose themselves to people and open their conscience up to people that they've never met. 
They use social media to expose their lives to each other. And we wonder why when we read certain posts and go through certain, certain timelines that we get depressed or we get down or we get elated or we get questioning things and, and we, we wonder why. Well, we know why because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says the company you keep is how will or will what be what influences your conscience. You see, Proverbs 11.3 tells us a little bit more about this good character. It says, the integrity of the upright will guide them. You see, you will be guided by your conscience. The integrity of the upright will guide them. But if you allow, says in Proverbs 11 verse 3, your conscience to be perverted, you will become unfaithful and your unfaithfulness will destroy you. It will eat away at you. It will destroy good character. And so, today, as we have a look at how do we make sure, make sure that we maintain a God-oriented conscience, step number one is broken up into two parts. Step number one is that if we want to have that kind of God-oriented conscience and hold on to a conscience of integrity, well, it means that we have to choose the right friends. But here's the second part. We are also called by Scripture to help others hold a conscience of integrity, and therefore we need to be the right friends. You have to have the right friends, have the right company, but you need to be the right friends and be the right company. Now, as we go through life, we are either allowing influences to sharpen our conscience towards integrity or dull it towards poor character. And sharpening or dulling it is a slow process. Your conscience is the part of you that you are constantly renewing. Your mind is the part that, part that you're constantly washing, changing, looking at, reanalyzing, aware of. It's not something that's washed clean in the blood of the Lamb once. No, that's your spirit man. It's been taken care of. But your conscience steers your soul. And your soul is constantly being made new. It's constantly being rejuvenated. It's a process. It's a journey to sharpen your conscience. Well, to dull your conscience is exactly the same. It's a slow process of eating away and eroding away at the word of God in your life. If we are to therefore hold on to integrity, we have to keep our thoughts driven towards good. We have to be looking towards the goodness. We can't be looking towards bad and wondering why we feel bad. You see, what we associate with, what we put our company into, is what will shape our emotions and thoughts. It's a part of us that we need to constantly be steering towards this concept of good, this concept of having an abundant life, this concept of God already has healed you. It's a, it's a constant, gradual journey all the time working towards your God-oriented integrity. But you see, we need to amplify, we need to turn up, we need to make sure that this integrity voice on the inside of us is always loud and clear. 
You see, we were made in God's image. God spoke us into being. The very word of God is what made us from the inside out. The very word of God is right in the middle of who you are, right at the center of who you are. That word of God has been placed on the inside of you, and your conscience is its mouthpiece. And now God is saying, I've done everything I need to do on the inside of you. Will you just listen and be guided by it? The steering, the rudder, is your conscience. And we can choose to listen to what God has placed on the inside of us or dull that voice and slowly but surely let go of our integrity. And friends influence that inner voice. Without a shadow of a doubt, who you hang with is how you'll end up. Show me a man's friends and I'll show him his future. Let your friends tell you long enough what you ought to believe, and you'll forget what you ought to believe. Let your friends tell you that certain things are okay when they're not. Eventually, they'll become okay. Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23 says in this regards, hey, when you're associating with people, when you're fellowshipping with people, when when you're exposing yourself, when you're choosing your company, have a protection layer around your heart. It says, guard your heart because for everything you do flows from it. Now, if your conscience is the steering guy that sits within your heart and tells you, is that good or is that not good? Sometimes we'll tell somebody, hey, go with your gut. Go with what your heart says. Well, that's your conscience. And so out of your conscience, out of your heart, everything else will flow. If your conscience, if your heart is guided by the word of God and God's integrity and not by your friends, you will go that way. But if you slowly allow your friends to erode at God's word in your life, you are going to slowly but surely deny God's word and turn towards what your friends are expecting you to believe. Let me tell you something, the human psyche is wired to want to be in communion. It wants to be and have friends. So their opinions of you really, really matter. And I'm not just talking again about the teenagers. No, I'm talking about you and me. What my wife thinks about me is important. What my friends think about me is important. What others think about me is important. And I respond to that. But am I making the word of God less important to their value or am I making it more important to the value I place on my friends? Am I guarding my heart? I'm not going to be able to get rid of all of the bad people in my life. We live in a broken world. We live in a broken society. I'm not going to be able to get rid of that abusive father in my life or that abusive mother in my life. She's my mom. She's my dad. I can't just get rid of them. I can't just alienate myself from them. No, you can be in their presence but not be in their company. Can I say that again? You can be in friends' presence but not be in their company. Big difference. You see, if I'm in their company, I'm exposing my conscience to what they believe. I am uniting myself with what they believe. I can be in their presence. I can be in their presence. I can eat with them. I can do all sorts of things with them. But if I take that wrapper off my heart, I'm moving them from being in my presence to being in my company. Am I making sense? I hope I am. I hope you're getting this at home. You see, I'm not going to say to you that you have to get rid of all your friends and find new ones. No, we we call to go out into the world and, and reach and make disciples. But are we going out into the world guarding our heart, 
protecting and listening to the conscience of God in our lives, or are we slowly allowing that protection to peel away and let the bad company infiltrate our lives? Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says it like this, and now dear brothers and sisters, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking about people together, friends, companions. One final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. You see, those are the things that our conscience is asking us to value. Things that are honorable, things that are true, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely. Those are the things that our conscience, that God is asking us to value above all else. Guard those things in your heart, says Proverbs. But our friends, because they are valuable to us, especially if we've gone through any form of rejection, we go through a, a time of rejection and we all of a sudden latch on to friends because we, we prop ourselves up with their company. And because we've gone through hurt, these friends become very dear to us and speak to the very core of us at a very vulnerable time in our lives. You see, we've gone away from protecting what is good, what is honorable, what is lovely, what is true, and we've started valuing their company more than the voice of our conscience. We start valuing what the newspapers tell us more than what God tells us. We start valuing what the doctors tell us more than what God tells us. And slowly but surely, we walk away from the integral voice of God in our lives, and we start believing those we've let into our company. The turning point with our friends and our company and our associates is when we begin to value their company more than the voice of God in our lives. And we begin to open up our lives to their standards, their principles, their beliefs. And because we so dearly want to be in, because we so dearly want these friends to have them part of our lives, we start adopting their beliefs, their understandings, and we slowly but surely lose track of the voice that will guide us this way or that way. You see, we need to understand that we cannot devalue the Word of God that is speaking through our conscience by valuing other friends and company. And gradually, our conscience begins to grow quiet, and we only hear the opinions of newspapers, opinions of doctors, opinions of friends, and we become trapped. You see, when I say trapped, the integrity of God is still on the inside of you. It just doesn't have a voice. You see, God has placed all goodness on the inside of you, but when we slowly turn our conscience down, that goodness is trapped on the inside of us. We know it's in there. We know we can be better. We know we don't have to adopt these bad habits, but we're doing them anyway. And we slowly but surely feel trapped in this life that we've chosen because of the company that we keep, that, that we, we feel trapped and enslaved to just keep on going in the bad way. And so 1 Corinthians 6.12 says it like this, you say I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. And even though I am allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. 
No, you see, the Apostle Paul in that scripture in 1 Corinthians was saying, you know what, I'm not going to get trapped to whatever's out there. I'm not going to allow the goodness of God to be trapped on the inside of me because I'm not listening to my conscience. I I don't believe that anything is good for me. I'm going to choose the good things in my life. I'm going to choose the good things that God has placed on the inside of me to speak about and commune about. But this feeling of being trapped starts to grow. People start telling us, good people in our lives start telling us, well, there's so much good in you. Ever heard this one? You have so much potential. Man, I got to a place where I was tired of hearing about the potential that was in me, and I was going, well, what about what I'm doing? Isn't it good enough? Are you still looking for more? And I got to this place of feeling trapped feeling rejected because people didn't see that there was good in me and it just wasn't coming out. And this feeling of frustration and and anger and hurt because my friends were telling me it was okay to be who I am, but everybody else was telling me that there was still so much potential on the inside of me. And so I started leaning towards my friends. I started keeping company with them more and more. And slowly but surely, this voice would die down every now and then. And I would feel a sense of relief because now I didn't feel trapped. But I had to do some things for that moment of goodness. I had to do some things that weren't good. They were bad habits that I would get into to quiet this, 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 this tension that existed on the inside of me. Goodness on the inside of me, just not having a voice. And as a result, I would try and still this anxiety on the inside of me by doing bad things. Now, you might be saying, oh, Craig, I can hear you. That sounds like drug abuse or alcohol abuse. No, no, no. We choose all sorts of things to quieten this tension between what we know is on the inside of us, but just doesn't have a mouth, doesn't have a voice. We gossip. We slander. Hey, we even go shopping. We, we even choose religious practices because that's what everybody says we should do, but we feel like there's more. So we keep going into religion and we deepen our judgment of others and all we're doing is alienating ourselves because we're in with a crowd that believes X, Y, or Z. You see, we, we, we might be into alcohol and drugs and these kinds of things because of our friends and because of this tension that exists. We might need to go out and drown our sorrows because we've got this tension on the inside of us all the time. But, but that's not all we do. No, we respond with all sorts of bad habits. We binge watch, we, we gossip, we slander, we, we choose religion, we, we live with forgiveness, unforgiveness and bitterness. We, we, there's so many habits. You see, I can hang with a group of people that when I tell them my story, perhaps I, I had an abusive childhood growing up and I, and I tell my friends that and they, they go, well, <laughs> I'm, I would never speak to your father or your mother again. And we go, well, that, that, that makes sense. That's, that's good. Uh, that's great. I, I, I can do that. I can step away from ever having to speak to them again. My friends say it's okay. That's what I kind of feel. God's voice is saying, honor them. God's voice is saying, forgive them. 
But slowly but surely, as we begin to keep company with people who tell us contradictory, we have this constant tension. Our heart desires to forgive. Our heart desires to honor them. But our flesh is weak, and it goes a different way, and it leans towards the the friends. And as a result, you've got this tension. So what do I do? I go out one night, and I get myself completely and utterly rat-faced on alcohol because, hey, that keeps that tension at bay. It quietens it down. And as a result, I, I just for that moment, that, that head pull can stop. And then we wake up in the morning and we don't feel so good about ourselves. And guilt starts to wash over us. And shame starts to wash over us. And now coupled with the tension of wanting to do good, wanting to forgive, now with shame and guilt translates in our heart into bitterness. And now we pick up a bad habit called anger and bitterness. Not necessarily at our abusive parents, no, but at the abuse that we're putting ourselves through. And so our friends have corrupted good habits. They've told us the wrong thing. They've shaped our thinking in the wrong way, and it's added to the problem. Don't just think it's alcohol and drugs that we get into bad habits about. There's all sorts of things that distract us, that, get, that, that we use to try and relieve this tension. Bad habits create bad self-esteem. Bad self-esteem creates guilt and condemnation. Guilt and condemnation creates bad habits. And slowly but surely, because of who we hung with, we get into a cycle of walking away from integrity. God gave you a voice. He wants you to listen to it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. The temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. But God is faithful He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You see, he's placed the way out on the inside of you. And when you listen to your conscience, when you listen to that voice speaking on the inside of you, that's how God is directing you out of the spiral of guilt and condemnation that the company you keep might have got you in. I know the flesh is weak. I know we like to go with a crowd. I know we like to know what's going on in the world. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as we can guard our hearts. Matthew chapter 26 verse 41 says, Keep watch therefore, so that you might not give in to this temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, your friends really should be helping you listen to the voice of God in your life. You, as a friend, should be helping others listen to the voice of God in their lives. We shouldn't be trying to be the voice. How many Christians have ever had that experience where you you, you meet up with somebody and they try and be the voice in your life, or or you think you really know what you've got to say to this person and and what you've got to say is going to change their lives. No, what we should be directing people to is the voice of God in their lives and letting them hear that for themselves. Because you see, when we are listening to the voice of God in our lives, 1 Thessalonians 5.16 applies. Three words, always be joyful. When we get caught in this, this cycle, this abusive cycle triggered by our company, getting us to think bad thoughts, getting us to think shame, guilt, and condemnation, that's when we lose our joy. If your friends and companions are causing this tension to exist on the inside of you, they're robbing you of your joy. 
Allowing the effects of your company to drown out your conscience is debilitating. The effects of bad company, let me tell you something, can be long-term if you let that joy be robbed from you. You might not even be in company with the person that robbed you of your joy, but you're still living the consequences of that person robbing you of your joy. You might not be in the company of your, of your ex-spouse that abused you for all those years anymore. You might have ended that nightmare, but you're still living the consequences of that company that you kept. You've got to re-guard your heart, reline your thought process, and turn up the volume of your conscience so that you can find your joy again. Jesus was passionate about this. In Matthew chapter 24, verse 4, he almost gave his disciples another command. He said to them, do not let anybody mislead you. Do not let anybody turn down the voice of your conscience on the inside of you. The Old Testament is littered with scriptures that tell us that if we allow people that have influenced us to continue influencing us, continuing allowing that bitterness, that unforgiveness to influence us, well, we're going to live a life that is foolish. Proverbs 13, 20, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with the fools, and you will get into trouble. We are called as human beings to have good friends. Psalm chapter 119, verse 63 says, I am a friend to anyone who fears God. That's a good way of choosing your friends and choosing your company, isn't it? Do you believe in God's voice in your life? That's a good line to ask a prospective spouse, a prospective friend. Do you believe in God's voice in your life? I will be a friend with anybody who fears God. Anyone who obeys God's voice, says Psalm 119, 63. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 to 10 shows us that when we have friendship with the right people, good things happen. Now, this scripture is often used in marriage. Two are better than one. But if you look at it from a perspective of hanging out, having the right company, allowing the right things to influence you and the right people to influence you, two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person fails or falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Those scriptures both underline, underscore, show us the importance of having good friends in our lives. But not only having good friends. Listen carefully now for those who believe in God's voice in their lives. Being a good friend. You see, we can't walk around and say our friends, our company persuaded us this way or that way. You've just kept bad company. But have you taken that to the next level? Are you languishing at home saying, I no longer have that company, but you've still got bitterness and unforgiveness in your heart? Because if you do, it's impossible for you to be a good friend, to lead someone to the voice of God. You're going to be leading them to the voice of bad company. The bad company that was in your life that caused the badness and robbed you of your joy in your life is what you're now going to be sowing into others. If you are languishing in the consequence of your previous bad company, you are not a good friend. Ouch, that hurts. Because we're all dealing with stuff, right? Yes, we're all dealing with stuff. We just said that we are constantly renewing our mind and washing our minds. God is dealing with stuff all the time, providing you a way out. But as long as while we're dealing with stuff, we are constantly looking towards God and His voice on the inside of us, We'd be a good friend. 
You see, God pushes us towards forgiveness, not unforgiveness. He pushes us towards being joyful, not bitter. You see, if we're constantly putting our bad experiences, our bad company through the joyful washing machine, we'll come out washed in the joy of the Lord, and then we can be a good friend to others. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 tells us that we need to be good friends. It says this, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and of good works. Mark 2, 3-5 tells of a story of a few men who brought their friend to Jesus. And in conclusion, I thought we could just read that scripture and have a look at what it means to be a good friend and to have good friends. You see, if we are a good friend, we will take them to the voice of God, Jesus. If we are needing good friends, we will look for friends that take us to the voice of God, Jesus. Have a look at what it says in Mark chapter 2, verse 3 to 5. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Did you see that? Three friends knew that their friend was paralyzed by his past and he needed Jesus. They did whatever it took to get that man in front of Jesus. Are your friends doing that for you? Are they doing whatever it takes to get you at the feet of Jesus? Is your company directing you towards Jesus? Is your Facebook feed directing you towards Jesus? Is Is the things that you read, the television programs that you watch, are they always of the same kind of moral fiber that Jesus would watch and take in? If not, it's bad company. You see, these three friends were passionate about getting their friend at the feet of Jesus. They did whatever it took. You might not be physically paralyzed. You might be emotionally and spiritually paralyzed because of your past, your company that you kept, the things that happened to you. You might be emotionally dead because of some of the things that have happened in your life. You might be physically dead to goodness and joy in your life because you're living a life of bitterness and unforgiveness. And when we get ourselves wrapped up into what our company has done to us, or guilt what we have done to others, bad habits start to form. What are those bad habits? It's very simple. Our conscience can no longer guide us towards our destiny. And when our conscience can no longer guide us towards our destiny, we camp out on our mat of mediocrity. We need friends to pick us up from that mat of mediocrity and bring us and place us at the feet of Jesus, direct us to the voice of God, remind us of what that life of being with God is like. Those are the friends we need to have and be if we are going to make sure that we are in touch with our God-oriented, integrity-trained conscience that is on the inside of us. Don't choose bad company. Don't be bad company. No, do whatever it takes to be taken to the feet of Jesus and to take others to the feet of Jesus. Bad company corrupts good habits. 
Let's pray together, and then we will have some communion, and uh, we'll bless you, and you can be on your way. Father, we just thank you so very much for teaching us, shaping us, giving us this insight. Father, we agree that we're going to look at what shapes our conscience, what company we keep, the internet company that we keep, the physical people company that we keep, what kind of company we are. We're going to be looking at all of these things over the week, Father. And so speak deep on the inside of us. Turn up the volumes of our God-oriented consciences and let us hear what it is that we need to do from you. We love you and we value you, Father, way above the company that we keep. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, you know that during our midweek services, we often have a time of communion and we come together to celebrate what Jesus has done. We, we take a moment to be dropped at the feet of Jesus as he was on the cross, as he was dying. He wasn't just on the cross doing something for us that, that was just some strange thing that happened 2,000 years ago. No, was we take communion and communion can be whatever you need to use as a symbol of respect for, for Jesus. It simply respects his physical being. It simply represents his body and his blood. But those physical things, that body and his blood that he had, had a supernatural impact on the world. The fact that he was God and decided to walk in the flesh amongst us showed how much he loved us. And so when we partake and we come together, grab a piece of bread, a glass of water, some gum, a cup of coffee, whatever you've got, and just to celebrate the fact that Jesus wants to be with us. He wants to be our company. He wants to be in communion with us. He wants to be your friend because no other friend can you find that will always bring you joy, always take you back to the Word of God because He is the Word of God Himself. And so if you're lonely right now, if you've had bad friends right now, I would say get into the company, get away from the company of loneliness, get away from the company of others that could distract you, get away from the bad habits that that kind of company brings and be in the company of Jesus. Take, eat and know that Jesus wishes to be your friend, his body broken for you. One of the best friends I had growing up we did some crazy things together as, as boys do one of the craziest things we did was we decided we were going to become blood brothers we we're going to cut our, our, our fingers and we were going to rub our blood together on our thumbs and uh, we were going to be inseparable crazy thing stupid idea but that's what we did as kids we we wanted to be inseparable for the rest of our lives we wanted to become blood brothers well Jesus shed his blood because he wanted to become inseparable with you. Only difference between what we did as boys and what Jesus did at his death was that what he did did last forever and will last for all eternity. The stupidity of our immaturity was far different to the mature man that stepped up and took on your sins and your issues and told you that he would keep doing it for the rest of time. And so as you drink of this cup, know that Jesus is your brother. He is your, your, your friend. He is sold out to you. You are a blood brother, a blood sister of Jesus Christ because he shed his blood for you. Take and drink and know that this cup represents his blood and how much he thinks of you. And so as we come to the end of this time together, we just give God praise and thanks. 
He provided His Son to be our ultimate friend. Keep company with Him. The product in your conscience, the noise that your conscience will make will always be to guide you left and right into what is good if you have the company of Jesus. I hope and pray that this message is is something that you needed today, something you needed to hear today. I look forward to being with you again very, very soon. Next week, we continue this discussion on conscience as we have a look at what habits can do, what habits can erode your conscience, and what habits build your conscience. Looking forward to being with you next week as we continue this. This weekend, Pastor Dwayne continues the message series on marriage and relationships, so don't miss it out. Look forward to seeing you this weekend or next week for midweek services. You be blessed, and thank you so much for joining us here at Victory Life Church Online.